Amen. Well, turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 12. And this has kind of been stirring within me, uh, this verse. <clears throat> and and uh, whether this goes into a couple-week series or not, uh, maybe it's a standalone, see how far I get today. But I, I've titled this An Unbelieving Heart, and, and I subtitled it, Let's Not Be Like Gehazi. Like, well, who is this? You know, I was a kid who used to watch cartoons. How many of you guys watch cartoons? And uh, one of the cartoons I really liked was uh, <clears throat> it, it was uh, the Roadrunner. Come on now, remember the Roadrunner? And what was he always trying to do? He was trying to, you know, Wild E. Coyote was always trying to get him. Wild E. Coyote. Never forget that. And uh, so this pastor tells a story, brought his kids to a, a sports restaurant, has all the TVs up, and whether it was a Buffalo Wild Wings or something, and his four-year-old son was just glued to the TV watching uh, the constant reruns of uh, The Roadrunner. And he just, he says this, he said, after watching intently for a period of time, he said his little son had an epiphany. He said, without taking his eyes off the screen, he quietly announced to our family, no matter what he does, he's never going to get that chicken. And I just thought about that in our lives. Wild E. Coyote reminds me a lot of people who are in pursuit of a lot of things in this life, and you're never going to get them. Isn't there a song like that? Never going to get it. I mean, um, and so we try to accumulate wealth. We try to accumulate friends and Facebook, and, and people are left empty. They're left empty. Uh, some, some people say, well, you know, I'm going to try this Christianity thing and hoping that, that God will give them the good life, but then it, then, then it gets hard. Then it gets hard. <laughs> it gets hard for them. They lose some friends. Maybe they're mocked. Satan attacks and uh, they no longer feel that the was on their side. And they think, you know, I'm not sure following Christ is working for me. And you're never going to get that chicken. I'm never going to get that. And so what happens is, now watch this. This is for everyone, myself included. They're tempted to go back of their old way of life and give up on Christ altogether. And this is a word today to not do that. This is a season for us to stand strong. Can I get an Amen. This is a season for us to fight. This is a season for us to be vigilant in our faith. Amen? And so we don't want to be like Gehazi. And so my text is in Hebrews 3.12. It says this, a very interesting and in, in a very challenging verse. Take care, brothers and sisters. That's both. <laughs> Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. They said, well, they're just talking about people that don't know the Lord. No, an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Wow. Leading you to fall away from the living God. How can you, if you have Christ, fall away from the living God? And he's talking right here that we can somehow allow this, uh, our heart, which can be deceitful, to cause us to fall away from the things of God. How many with me say Amen. And so the Bible talks about many figures that we can learn in life, and some of them are great men and, and women of God, and some of them are unnamed people, and uh, they bring precious lessons to us. And, and so one such person that we can, when I want, I want to delve into here today is Gehazi. And so this guy appears in the Bible for a short time, okay, and then he kind of disappears and falls off the map. So who is Gehazi, and what can we learn from him? Who is he, and what can we learn from him? Well, here's the first thing. When I begin to dig into this, his name actually means, watch this, Valley of Vision. Hmm. 
And I thought, what does that mean? Especially in 2020 and the prophets and vision and seeing and anyhow. So Gehazi, you could say this was in a season of visioning or seeing firsthand God's miracles or God move or God do something, a season of that. Valley actually means, it means in the Hebrew to burst forth like a river. So his name means Gehazi, valley of, to burst forth like a river of vision. Actually, vision means to see, watch this, or behold as looking through a window. When you look out, you can see clearly. It's like, what's going on out there? You can see through that window. And so it's possible you could say that Gehazi's name is similar to perhaps what was prophesied at the beginning in the, the fall of 2019, beginning of 2020. Vision, God's going to show us things clear. And here we go. <laughs> here we are today. You know, I, I believe God still, his words are prophetic. And when they go forth, they spin like a top. And then they won't stop until it's fulfilled. So no matter what, I mean, when the children of Israel were heading to the promised land, they didn't expect the, the Red Sea, but it was kind of an interruption, but they still passed through. Okay, so you need to know we're passing through in Jesus' name. And so I, I could think that this guy, there's something prophetic about his life, watch this, in our lives today in 2020. So oh, you're stretching, Pastor Mike. I might be, but I'm up here preaching. Amen. So my second thing is this, that he was a servant who saw great things happen. How many of you in the past in your life, God has done something in your life? Amen. God is still doing things. He's not done. Even though we have an interruption, okay, and we have some major, major challenges that we're actually coming through. Gehazi is the servant of the prophet Elisha. So there was Elijah and Elisha. He was first mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 4, Verse 12, where Elisha would command him to do something. So prophets, you know, those guys in those days would have guys that kind of servants that, you know, were witness to what took place and they recorded a lot and uh, they were kind of there for their beck in hand and, and to serve those prophets. And he saw great things happen. How many of you ever has been, have been around, excuse me, a uh, great man or women of God of old? <clears throat> I experienced what they call Brother Reynolds, <laughs> that dates me, at 15 years old, on the tail end of the healing revival in the 1950s and 60s, they traveled the country, and these healing evangelists had tents. Think of that in Minnesota. We're going to set up a tent. Are you nuts? <laughs> but they would have tents, and they would go for 8, 10, 12 weeks. People would come to these meetings. Many people were healed, miraculous healings, amazing things. And so as a kid, this brother Reynolds uh, would come to Brockton, Massachusetts, and he would have a tent and set it up in probably one of the most rough areas in Brockton. I'm like, this guy is pretty bold. And hundreds would come out, and people that had deaf ears, they would hear blind eyes, and people that were lame, and it was like, what's going on here? So I, I had a little taste of that at 15 years old. Let me tell you something, that marked my life. Amen. That affected me. <laughs> so you could argue, you could you know, reason, and the Bible isn't true, whatever, like, I don't care what you say. I mean, I was part of something that I saw. Okay, and so you see, we need to see God move in a greater capacity, even that for this generation. And what happens is you just make up your mind. You're like, you know what? For me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. 
And so I saw that, and I experienced that back in 1979. And so my dad said, well, why don't you go travel with him? So at 15 years old, I traveled for two, two and a half weeks with him through New England. And so, and so these guys back then, they had like 8, 10, 12 kids, <laughs> literally. And so I think there was 12. He had like 12 kids in his family. And you had to have all those kids to help set up the tent. Amen. And so I got close to a couple of the guys, and they were actually weightlifters, so they'd bring out their weights, and they'd lift, and then, then we'd set up the tent, big tent, seat five, six hundred, and it was hot. I remember we were in Lancaster, uh, New Hampshire, and setting up, and he would have his big 18-wheeler out there and set, set up the tent, and, and then hundreds would come at night, and, and then, you know, God would provide the finances for, for the ministry, and, and then, then, you know, next morning, they would all have breakfast, and it would be like, it was the strangest thing. It just was very different. They were like Pentecostal holiness, and uh, uh, they, they, he only ate Wheaties for breakfast for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, and, and so all the kids would be at the table, huge table, and we're outside, you know. And, and uh, I remember having Wheaties, and, and uh, it was just the strangest thing. Nobody talked, and <laughs> it was just a... It impacted my life, but he would go in and he would pray for hours and he'd come out for the meeting. And, and so I just hung out with the, the brothers, the, you know, his sons. And, and then it was really hot one day. We were starting to set up a tent, move to another community. And I was like, oh, this is really hot. So I took my shirt off and I heard a screech, a scream. <laughs> and it was one of the ladies, put your shirt back on. You know, they were, you got to, you know, they had all farmer's tans and, and they wore dresses. I mean, it was a... A unique experience, but every night I would see God move in, in that tent as he preached the gospel. And, and so, so uh, I, I have a responsibility for seeing that and experiencing that in my life. Did you hear me? And so, so I just threw it out there that there was just a personal experience that, that I'm thankful that I had a small part of that. And the third thing is he physically saw many miracles take place, Gehazi. The Bible talks in, in uh, verse 17, it says he witnessed a childless woman and her old husband have a child. Uh, he would go to a place and this woman would reach out to him and she made a little room for him to stay and she accommodated the man of God and she took care of him, she fed him, she gave him a bed and a place to study and then he would move on and, and then he asked the servant, he said, what does this woman want? You know, when you pour hand the oil and you love on the people of God and the kingdom of God and the local church, God will bless you for that. And this woman said, you know, I don't want anything. I'm good to go. And Gehazi said, she doesn't have a son. She doesn't have any kids. And that was, that was an affront. That was a, an embarrassment to her. And so he said, well, in the term of life for a child, in, in nine months from now, you'll have a child. He was like, don't even try to tease me. And next thing you know, she has a son in her old age. And uh, so the son grows up and, and he gets some flu or some disease or something and he dies in her lap. And she's like, I didn't ask for this. And, and she's furious in, in, in this agony. And what does he do? He raises the child from the dead. And he hands her back to her. And it's like, these are some amazing stories. Gehazi saw all of this firsthand. How many of you, if you experienced something like that, would that affect your life? I'm not talking about a trick, a sly of hand. I'm talking like, oh my God, I just, oh my God, this just happened. This happened, and, and I saw it. And how many would be excited about that? How many would never forget that? Yes, yes. He saw these miracles, raising of the dead. 
He saw other miracles. He saw like there was a poisonous pot of stew. He told the prophets, you know, go up there. And so they started picking things and kind of that taint soup, taint this, taint that, threw something in and something was poisonous. And so all the guys are eating and they go, ah, we just ate something that was poisonous. He throws something in it. He says, it's blessed now. And they were all nothing. It didn't bother them. There was a miracle there. Um, there was also another, he witnessed a miracle of 100 people that uh, satisfied themselves with a few portions of bread. You know, these miracles took place even in the Old Testament. It wasn't just the New Testament. Jesus did that, we see in the New Testament. But God flowed through uh, this man, and they multiplied the food, and all these men were hungry. And Gehazi's like, how are we going to feed them? There's just a few pieces of bread here, and it multiplied. He witnessed that firsthand. How many of you, that would affect your life? Wow, that's, you know. So, you know, these accounts, they would make us think that Gehazi was very fortunate to have witnessed with his own eyes that, that, that stuff that no normal man can do without God. Isn't that right? And so it, it, it probably was very exciting. It was uh, probably hair-raising to see this boy that's dead raised from the dead, and something poisonous becomes edible, and all of these things. But then we turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, the next chapter. It reveals something to us that something was wrong in this guy's heart. Now watch this. Here's my point. Gehazi was surrounded by God in God's presence. There was open, open vision, open miracles. There was a rich river of God moving. Tangible miracles were happening around him. He was in the middle of it. But somehow, this is what's tragic, it didn't penetrate his heart. He heard the message from the crazy preacher week in and week out. He, you know, he heard the podcast. He, he read the books. He went through the motions, and it didn't penetrate his heart. Mm. It wasn't like, hey, Gehazi, just have faith. Just have faith, you know. Just believe without seeing, like many of you struggle with. No, he witnessed firsthand with his eyes. He saw the power of God manifest on earth in this, through this man's life, and it wrecked, this changed this man in the sense of seeing these things firsthand. But it didn't penetrate his heart. How does something like this happen? Well, just fast forward to the next chapter there, 2 Kings 5. We hear the story about Naaman, who was, a, who was a, a, a Syrian commander, and he had leprosy, and word was told that he could go to Israel to be healed. The Bible says he was a mighty man of valor, despite being a leper. And leprosy at that time, some were worse cases than others, and some, if their skin was white leprous, they were not considered contagious, and they could be around other people. Others, if it was, you know, whatever boils, they had to separate. So there was different versions, and so it looks for him to be a captain in this, in this army. He was around other people. It wasn't one that spread to others, it seemed. And so on the word of a maid, he heads there, and uh, he's directed towards Elisha. And uh, so he goes, bangs on the door. You've heard the story. And he goes, you know, I thought this guy, this prophet, would come out and do this real fancy thing and pronounce and throw oil on me and say, thus said the Lord, you're healed, and go off. And he sends Gehazi to him and said, go wash and dip into the Jordan River, which is actually one of the dirtiest rivers in Israel. I was baptized there. It is dirty. And uh, he, so, so he leaves in a huff, and he's insulted. He's insulted. Find that interesting. After finally 
listening to uh, one of his servants. He said, if he asked you to do the hard thing, wouldn't you do it? He goes, okay, so I dip. I dip seven times in the river, seven times. Boom, he's healed, white, clean. His, his flesh is clean. And then it says this in 2 Kings 5. Watch this, 2 Kings 5. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. So he pressed him. So in all of his happiness being healed, how many will you be happy in that? I would be. He's like, hey, just take. I brought all these gifts and silver and garments. And he's like, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. And so he, he would not refuse. So here, interject now Gehazi. Watch this. I'm almost done. He says this. Gehazi, however, had something else in mind. He wanted to receive Naaman's gifts. So we see this greed in his heart. We see even though he's around all these miracles, physically seeing it, it's not changing the guy. You can hear the word of God day in and day in out and not let it change you. God forbid. And so we see this. Naaman came to him with a whole entourage of treasures, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothes. He came with a lot. He had a big offering. And so we read in verses 20, 25, how Gehazi, he hatched this devious plan. And so he's going to acquire some of the gifts. And so <clears throat> what he does is he goes, he sneaks off and he runs up to and he kind of overtakes uh, a name. And he said, Naaman, Naaman, uh, we, we have some people that they need some of the gifts. And he turned around and said, oh, yes, absolutely. Here he loads them up with all these gifts and he says goodbye to him. And then Gehazi takes this stuff, puts it in his house, hides. And then he just kind of walks back to the prophet like somehow God doesn't see everything. That's actually what it, what it says. And he says this, <clears throat> he did all that through deceit in verse 26 and 27. And we, we, we read about the consequences of his deceit. And Elisha says, oh, where did you go, Gehazi? Oh, I was nowhere, just out and about. I mean, oh, God sees everything. <laughs> uh, really? And, and he makes this statement. Um, and, he, and he says this, my master was too easy on naming this Aramean. he said, and so I'm going to go get something from him. And, uh, and it says this, he said, uh, he said, where did your servant go? In verse 25, Gehazi answered. And, uh, but Elisha said to him, this is powerful. Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? He saw all of that in the spirit. How many know God sees everything? <laughs> Nothing is hidden from him. And he was shown that. So uh, Elisha saw all this. He said, is this the time to take money except clothes? And he just goes on and on. And so he pronounces this. He says, this curse of this disease, now it's going to come upon you. And he said he became white as a leper. And he fled and he left the prophet. Now, this guy threw away firsthand everything that was amazing that so few people experience in life. Do you know it's so fortunate that you're able to even come to a church today? Do you know that, to hear the word of God? Just to, and to worship and to love on each other? We are so fortunate. I just heard a, a heart-wrenching story of a Yomi Park, who is a young, uh, she's 27 now, but at, at 13 years old, she escaped from North Korea. I don't know if you've heard of it, over 50 million people have watched this YouTube video. She has a book out. This girl, I sat riveted for 90 minutes listening to her story coming out of North Korea. 
They caught a hundred Christians, the North Koreans, just reading some Bible verses or trying to watch some old videos, DVDs, VHSs. They lined them up and they shot them all. This is happening now in North Korea. Just for them to meet. She left, not for freedom. She didn't know what freedom was. She left the country because she was starving to death at 13. Crossed a river. Crossed an area where sentries were there. They, they don't ask questions. They just shoot you right on the spot. It's 25 million people, and they're living back in the 1600s. That's happening today. And there are many, many believers in that nation, and they're suffering. And I thought, just to meet together is a miracle. It's a miracle that we can come together. And there is an attack on our nation to stop all that. To, to just pacify and to just not let that happen, to not be able to faithfully meet together. Mm. Affects me. So what are some of the things that we can learn very quickly, very quickly? Lessons learned from this guy. No change of heart. Mm. We can see God move and there still not be a change in our heart. And there was no humility in this guy's life. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. You know, here's the thing. Truth be told, spiritual gifts and character are not one and the same. Just because somebody may move in something and they're able to say something or do something doesn't mean they have the character to back it up. Because why? The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. When God grace and gifts somebody like he has in your life, he's not going to retract that. Amen? He's not going to retract that. And so what are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? We can see God move. We can see his presence being poured out. But if we are not careful in difficult and challenging seasons, our hearts can grow corrupted and cold. That's what this verse is an admonition against. Gehazi, he saw amazing miracles. Right before his eyes, he saw God move. But instead of being humbled by that, his heart grew more and more corrupted. And so, in difficult times, which we're in, how is your heart doing? How is your heart doing? Oh, pastor, if you knew. Some of you are not doing well. I would say, venture, many of you are not doing well. Some of you are doing okay. Some of you are clinging to Christ and the cross, into worship and his word. Can I get an amen? Some of you, your word, Bible reading is... You just let it go. You're just not even reading anymore because you're so concerned and fearful and wondering and what's next. And I just think, just as pastors, my wife and I, a lot of the pressure that is on us and, and how one in five pastors are either quitting the ministry or shutting their churches down. You know what? If we're feeling that, I can just imagine what the believers are feeling and what they're going through. People at each other's throats. People, division, strife, contention, fear, all of these things we got to get back to the basics, back to reading God's word. Worship it. Can I get an amen? Uh, this ain't a great revelation, and I know that's not proper English. But it ain't a great revelation, but it is a great truth. This is what carries you through. This is what keeps your heart, church, in a difficult time, that we be not like Gehazi. And I'm speaking to young people too, teenagers, uh, old ones, all of us. Amen? This is what it is. And I know I'm preaching to choir because you guys are here. But those of you on Facebook, we just encourage you, stay plugged in to the things of God. Amen? And so this scares me when I hear this, when I read this, because this is a New Testament verse. And they're speaking to believers. We don't want our hearts to, to, to grow cold. Can I get an amen? amen? You know, just as an illustration, we can hear sermons about not fearing, right? 
Come on now, right? We're not going to fear. Praise God. We shall go out with joy, be led forth with peace. There's 365 verses on fear not in the Bible. Amen. And then COVID hits. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, oh, my. You know, oh, we're terrified. Terrified. <sighs> no change of heart. Serving God has its benefits, but it also has its challenges. I grew up under the Word of Faith movement. I've ever heard of the Word of Faith movement in the 80s, and it's still, you know, there's a lot of good truth in, in teaching in that and declaring the Word and memorizing the Word and, and declarations. Um, but there's no, no, no theology for suffering in the Word of Faith, you know. It's just kind of like everybody's going to be happy, whole, and have a Cadillac. Uh, come on. We know, or some other vehicle you think is cool. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that, that, that uh, <clears throat> there are challenges in the faith. And when I came as a young man to Christ, I only heard the message of love, joy, peace, and happiness. I'm just being transparent. It's all I heard. I heard, come to Jesus and have love, joy, peace, and happiness. Who's not going to want that? <laughs> then trouble hits. Difficulty hits. Trials hit. What happened to the love, joy, peace, and happiness? Well, it's still there. But there are some valleys and things we have to go through. And that just causes our faith to go deep. So while serving God has its benefits, it also brings many challenges to us. And some of these challenges come from the form of maybe doubt, unbelief, whether or temptation. Uh, Gehazi was sent to wake up the dead child with uh, uh, Elisha's staff. He couldn't do that. Um, he probably thought not... You know, a little bit of food is not going to really satisfy 100 men. Maybe he wanted it for himself. I don't know. He was tempted by the silver, the clothing. Uh, he gave in to greed in his heart. And so what are we trying to say? We must be careful with our hearts and minds. Watch this. Just because we are serving God does not mean we are safe from such things. Take heed, church. Take heed in this season. Amen? And then the third thing I would say is that Consequences follow our every choice. Consequences follow. We don't want to hear that. We don't really want to talk about that. Because why? We want to talk and we love stories about God as the restorer. Amen? And he is. And prayer is still powerful. And we need a petition. But there are choices. You know, my dad is moved to heaven and passed away last September suddenly and and, uh, but I would imagine the last 20 years of his life, now watch this, I'm going to honor him, but be, uh, the reality is, 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 is the things that happened in, in our family that kind of imploded our family, it was tragic, but his choices affected me as a kid and affected the whole family, and it was, it was a tragic thing. You know what? Relationship was restored, and, 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 and God, God moved, and I brought him out here, and he met my kids, and it was, it was a powerful reunion in that. But you know what? He still walked with an ache and a limp because of the consequences, and <clears throat> we don't want to be that. Amen? And so his greed was met with unpleasant consequences, Gehazi. We cannot expect to be exempted from the consequences of our sin. Even if we spend all that we are and we serve and God's ministers and in his church and the purposes of God. And here's the thing. I know this may seem so heavy, but I don't mean it to be. But it is what it is. Sin is sin. It must be repented of and renounced. And say that again. It must be repented of and renounced. Can I get an amen? 
So service to the church is a wonderful thing, but that does not atone for our sins. Only Christ does that. Stand with me if you would, please. All of the servants of Naaman recognized God's work through Elisha. But it was actually Gehazi, the servant on the inside, that could have been a good subtitle. The servant on the inside. And I just want you with your head bows here this morning. Think about that, that statement. The servant on the inside. He didn't get it. He was surrounded. He didn't get it. Even though he had been there, he'd seen everything. He was the personal attendant. Wow. Of the man of God. He had been there in personal contact with all these miracles. He had seen these miracles with his own eyes. But he's the only guy out of all the midst of those servants who still did not believe. What a tragedy. What a sad thing. Even though he's seen God move, he still allowed this evil, unbelieving heart to grip him. And he listened and believed the lies of Satan. One last time, our verse um, in Hebrews, Hebrews 3.12, take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you in evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. You know, church, in the past 20 years together, we have seen God do amazing things. He has been so good to us. And we've been through seasons of rejoicing, challenging seasons as we are in, but we will come through it all. You will come through it all. The key is what you do in the season. What you do in the season. God has been at work. But here's this thing. We still have these hearts. <laughs> and our hearts can grow cold and our hearts can grow weary. And many of you, your hearts are growing weary. So with every head bowed, and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm just feeling this weight of this weary heart. I just want to see your hand. Just put it up right now. Thank you. God bless you all around. Just Pastor, pray for me. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but Pastor, pray. This weary heart. Many, many people here. Many people. Pray for us. Pray for our family. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. We do not want to become like Gehazi. So that's the exhortation this morning. And I just have a prayer of confession. I want to pray over you. And then we're going to invite the altar workers to come forward. And I just, those of you who've responded to that, we need to guard our hearts in this season. This is a season to guard our hearts. You will come through it. You, we will come through this season. We're already coming through it. It isn't what we thought, how it would look like or plan, but you will come through and we'll be stronger. And the sun will shine again. <laughs> and the days will be warm. And we'll remember, ah, oh, do you remember that? What did we do in that season? Let me pray for you together, all of us. Lord God, we confess that we're desperate for your mercy. We acknowledge that our hearts are prone to wander. And they will wander unless you keep us. And Lord, unless we make a decision to keep ourselves. Lord God, we need you to hold us fast. To awaken us each day to your presence. To overcome us with your love and to lead us in your truth. And we confess that in our sin, we can often resist this. Lord, we know that we can grow callous to your care. And for that, today, we ask for mercy. We do not want to harbor sin in our hearts.
So for this and other sins, we come to you now in humility, in repentance. And Lord, we ask that you forgive us. Lord, we don't want to be like Gehazi. And Lord, I pray for the Gehazis that are out there, those that have fallen away. Restore them, oh Lord, I pray. Restore them unto you. Awaken them. Awaken their hearts, Father God. Bring them back to you in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. I want to invite the altar workers at this time to come forward and they're here to pray for you and to anoint you with oil. If you, you would like that here, they'll go according to your cue and pray you for however you would like. Just don't leave here today without receiving prayer. These are safe people. These are people here that will love on you and be the body of Christ. This is a season to not be isolated. I said, this is a season to not cut yourself off and be isolated. This is the season not to feed our pet sin. Can I get an amen? <laughs> this is a season that we come together. This is a season that we press in. This is a season that we just lay it all out. We said, Lord, here is our heart. Wash us, cleanse us. This is a season we draw near. Amen, church. Father, I bless the people of God. I thank you for them. I speak your peace and comfort over their life. I just thank you. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we are not camping out here. We walk through it, Father God. We come through it. Lord, and I pray there'd be honesty and transparency with people. And Lord God, that those that are caught up in recklessness, Father God, that they would find someone, call, reach out. That the church body would be the body in this season. They would call, that we would meet, that we would pray, that we would love on. Those that are sick, Father, I thank you for your recovery and your healing power. You are still the Lord that healeth thee and that we come through strong. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you. God bless you all. You're dismissed. Thank you.